because in my head, I know exactly what's going on. You know, the scene is set for me. I know what, I know what's happening. I know what people are wearing. Um, but to have to backtrack and go, but you know what? Dan might not know <laughs> what the inside of the limo looks like. And, and so for me, that's good practice to be very intentional and very deliberate about world building. Um, it, I don't think it comes naturally to me, but it's something that I have learned. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. All right, welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. My name's Dan, and I cannot wait to get into this conversation, the story with a great storyteller. Real quick, before we do, the storytellersnetwork.com is a website to go for past interviews, uh, previous episodes, that kind of stuff, for, for resources to help you better tell your story, and even uh, the blog where I'm, I'm sharing some more information as well about marketing and that kind of stuff and stories. So the storytellersnetwork.com is where all that is. Now, today's guest is author Michelle Keener. Now, writers definitely entertain us, right, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, and Michelle does so with purpose-driven stories like Mission Hollywood that was just released not too long ago, and her memoir, uh, Shared Courage, plus other books coming out as well. Michelle describes herself as a wife, a mom, a homeschooler, and an author of inspirational fiction and nonfiction, whose books are fueled by Jesus and caffeine. I love that. That's awesome. And if she isn't working, if she isn't writing, she's baking, hiking, or hanging out on Twitter. And she's definitely on Twitter. Hit her up there. Listen to her conversation. It's, it was so much fun. We had a, a great talk. So without further ado, let's get to those stories. Michelle, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking time to talk to the Storytellers Network. Dan, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I don't know who's more excited because I read your book and uh, I couldn't put it down. And so this, like preparing for this was a lot of fun. So, and congratulations, by the way, on the book launch. Thank you very much. And I appreciate you reading it and liking it. That is good stuff to hear. Absolutely. So uh, I'm a big fan of entertainment storytellers and of being able to just kind of you know, unplug from my day to day, maybe, you know, a little summer reading, go to the beach or whatever, lay in my hammock. So, so that's what I, I see Mission Hollywood as was my chance to, to get away and enjoy a really cool story. As a writer, do you consider yourself a storyteller? I would assume then? I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, um, I think that's accurate because that's, that's kind of the heart of um, what I'm doing when I'm writing fiction is, hey, look, here's a story, come dive in and the fact that you want to read it in your hammock is actually perfect. I've been telling people, I'm like, it's like a summer beach read. You pack it up, you go to the beach, you go to the lake, you chill out in the sun, enjoy the story, and then you go home and do the dishes or whatever's waiting for you. Right. Or, or if you're like some, get on Audible and do dishes while you're reading. Right? That would uh, work too. <laughs> um, so, so you do uh, fix, you're a fiction author. Mm -hmm. Is that the only kind of writing you do as a storyteller or do you find yourself writing all kinds of stories? Um, it's actually not. I started at, well, way, way, way back when I started out in fiction, growing up writing short stories and, and things like that. But my first published work actually was a nonfiction book. It was a memoir about my life as a Marine wife during the Iraq 
war. And that one, even though it's nonfiction, it really, I think it reads more like a story. Um, I tell it from first person, but it's like, hey, here we go. And this is what we're doing. And oh, look, my kid just threw up all over the housing inspector and um, a rat ate the wiring in my car. Both true stories, but I think it's got a story feel to it. Um, and even in the devotional that I wrote, I think there are some elements of storytelling that make it readable and that make it accessible. So I think story kind of crosses, it crosses genres, it crosses um, styles. And, and I love that. Uh, I, I love that about being a storyteller. And so what do you think we as, as story consumers get out of stories? Why do we love them so much? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> Why do we love stories? Um, you know, here, here's how I would phrase it. I am a sucker for superhero movies. Hmm. Like, I, I love superhero movies. I love to sit in the theater on opening day, generally, with my popcorn and my soda, and just spend two hours, or three if we're talking Endgame, <laughs> um, just watching it unfold. And it's just, it's captivating, and it draws you in. And, and when am I ever going to get to go battle aliens in, in my daily life? You know, when am I ever going to get to go blow stuff up um, in my everyday life? And story, it's so captivating and it's so transporting um, that I think it really fills just a void um, that gives us something more. Does that make sense? I I like that, Michelle. gives us something more. How do you as a storyteller then make sure that you are... I mean, you can't guarantee it, I suppose, but how do you make sure that you're living for that as a storyteller, as a creator? That's the feeling, you know? Yeah, honestly, for me, even though I'm the I like to think of myself as the first reader of my books. So as the story is is sort of coming to life in front of me on my laptop, I get to experience experience it for the first time too. Hmm. And that kind of feeds, is the story working? Because if I'm bored... And if I don't like it, then I know it's not working. If you get to those points in the revisions and we're like, oh, do I have to read this scene again? Okay, that means we probably need to cut it. Maybe this doesn't belong here. So being able to experience the story firsthand um, and knowing what I like and what works for me, even though I know not everybody is going to love and everything, that's, that's human nature, it's the way it goes. But if it works for me, I know that it, it's, it might hopefully possibly appeal to the people that I'm hoping are going to read it. And the same kind of idea I think comes through in like the marketing or sales world, which is where I'm involved professionally. If you try to be everything to everyone, you're nothing to no one. And so even as a story, as a story creator, I think it's, I heard you say sort of the same thing. I I write, Mm -hmm. not I, you write for, for you and hope other people enjoy it. So um, that's interesting. Um, uh, what do you think is one of your, your challenges then, if that's what you love about writing and, and what you get out of it, what do you find as a, as a challenge as a storyteller? As a challenge, I would say one of my, oh, what shall we call it? Areas that I have to be very intentional about in my writing is the setting. Um, I tend to focus on the story, like the big picture story. And I sometimes forget, hey, maybe we need to slow down and, and tell people, what time of year it is. Maybe we need to talk about where this is happening. Um, maybe I should explain that it's dark in the room. <laughs> and so for me, having to be very intentional about let's take a break and let's figure out 
what's going on because in my head I know exactly what's going on you know the scene is set for me I know what I know what's happening I know what people are wearing um, but to have to backtrack and go but you know what Dan might not know <laughs> what the inside of the limo looks like and, and so for me that's good practice to be very intentional and very deliberate about world building um, it, I don't think it comes naturally to me but it's something that I have learned so I, I like what you said about world builder, world building. That's just a, that's a cool phrase. So I picture authors, storytellers having almost like a whiteboard with all these, or a cork board with all these different post-it notes or string to everything. Mm-hmm. Do you build a world outside of what you're writing so you can go back and reference it? Or is that all part of the writing process in your head? How does that work for a storyteller? For me, because I write, um, generally places that I have either been to or that I have a very real world frame of reference for. Um, I keep notes. I have very old school, you know, college ruled spiral bound notebooks that my husband likes to make fun of me for. Um, and I, and I make notes. Um, so like mission Hollywood, I've spent a lot of time in Hollywood. So when I said Hollywood Boulevard, I knew exactly what I meant and exactly where this was going down. And so I was able to draw on those notes and say, okay, he's going here and we're going to walk past the El Capitan here. I didn't have to incorporate it in the story because it really wasn't relevant, but it made it very real for me. So in terms of the atmosphere and in terms of what goes down up there, I had a frame of reference for it. Um, I don't generally write kind of when you hear world building, like the big fantasy, high fantasy books. So I, I don't have any experience with that but just knowing my own nature, I would have a very large cord and <laughs> lots of string. Right. Well, and I, I like the idea of having the, the notebooks, you know, as we're talking, I'm, I'm writing notes here. So uh, I like the, that idea too, that you can go reference those later. Um, that's so cool. So one of the things you said earlier too, about writing kind of what, what you enjoy, what I kind of picked up was you and other people have said this, you write what you know. Mm-hmm. So, your, your memoir about being a Marine wife. Uh, you've been to Hollywood, so you're doing that. A thread in your book, in this book at least, and other books too from what I've gathered, um, is faith. Mm-hmm. So how important is faith to you? Is that something that you think about when you're going to write? Is I want to write a Christian book, or are you writing a story that happens to include faith? Is there a difference between those two? First part of the question, how important is faith to me? Hugely important. I mean, that's just, it, it's woven into the fabric of our family. It's just, it's who we are. It's what we do. Um, so that's always there. Hmm. I think on the one hand, um, in terms of not being intentional about it, because it's such a big part of my life, I know even without intending to, it's going to color everything that I do um, just because it, it's there. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just who I am as much as my word choices are. Um, for Mission Hollywood, it was a very intentional choice. I knew setting out this was going to be a contemporary Christian romance novel. So I, I knew that going in. Um, the book I have coming out in December is a women's fiction book that is not what you would call a Christian market. It's not an overtly uh, faith-based story. But for me personally, I think when you read it, there is a very strong faith theme in there. It's what I would call covert. Christianity that um, it's not in your face in in your face but it's there so it's not like a, a pastor's daughter taking place at a church right but it's That's a little it's, more it's, obvious we can call that overt Christianity <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so cool though too I mean I, I what I really liked about it is 
you know, you kind of like, so I'm going to go back here from that. I, I love, uh, I love music and I mm. used to listen to all kinds of music except for Christian music. Well, as I've developed my faith walk and my deeper Christianity, I listen to a lot of Christian music, but I can remember thinking back to like, Oh, it's cheesy. It's one dimensional. It's not heavy or whatever. Right. And I, and I would imagine I'm going to imagine here. I haven't read that ton of Christian books. It may feel the same for readers of like, Oh, it's just so one dimensional. But what I like about mission Hollywood is that while it's summer reading and it's fun, it doesn't feel one dimensional to me. So what you've done with your characters seems very natural. Um, so I guess my question would be how much work does it take or how, how intentional are you about character development versus simply just writing a story? Mm, that's a good question. And first, thank you for saying that. That just really, that just made me so happy. You're welcome. Um, so that's good stuff right there. Um, in terms of the character development, one of the things that I was aware of um, is I've heard a lot of people when they talk about Christian, I mean, any kind of Christian entertainment, books, music, movies, exactly what you were talking about. It's like, oh, it's, it's either not relatable, it's not real, um, it's fake, you know, the characters, they're all perfect, nobody has any problems, nobody ever sins, and it seems very out of touch. Um, I did not want to have a book like that. I wanted to have a book with very real characters who are allowed to have flaws, who are allowed to have personal things, and, and where there was an ability to be in that learning and growing walk of your faith, because none of us are ever there. We never get there. Like, oh, I got this Christian thing down. You know what okay. I mean? We're good and I'm done. We're always learning and we're always growing. There's always going to be struggles. So I wanted to have a book with characters that people could feel free to relate to. If the characters were too perfect, the, there would be no... Um, emotional pull for the stories people wouldn't be able to relate to them and and it would end up being sort of that cotton candy standoffish kind of thing which i really didn't want so how do you how do you develop those characters then you know so you, so you didn't want to be one-dimensional how, how do you then sit down at your computer? I assume maybe writing pad typewriter, but how do you sit down at your, <laughs> at your place of writing and say, this is how I did that. I mean, if someone's thinking about being a storyteller, what's a piece of advice you can share with them to make sure that that character development does go deeper than a, than a perfect character. When I started mission Hollywood, and that's sort of my frame of reference right now is I started with that. What if question? What if this movie star who doesn't believe bumps into a pastor's daughter who does, what happens? You know, where would that go? That was sort of the start of the story. What would happen? What if? It's a great place to start a story. What if? In terms of the characters, though, before I started writing, I already had a fairly developed idea of the characters, which is kind of ironic because I really don't plot out my books when I start the first draft. I like to discover the story kind of as it develops. Um, I'm, I'm a pantser when it comes to actually writing, but the characters, I knew the characters going in. I knew Ben's backstory. I knew what he had been through and I knew where I wanted him to get to. Same thing with Lily. I knew where she came from. So when you have that good handle on the characters first, it then makes the story, at least for me, a little easier to flow because they're, they're real people who would make real choices. And I can say, oh, you know, Ben's in this awkward situation. What's he going to do? 
And, and that choice would then be natural because it flows out of who he is as a character. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I like and what if. Start with what if. Know your characters. That's good stuff, Michelle. Good, good advice. <laughs> um, where does the inspiration to write come from for you? You've had different books and you've got more coming out, obviously. So you've got different aspects of it. it's not the same thing of like a you know Stephen King or, or or Dean Koontz there's like everything's scary so I'm gonna write about that for my inspiration where where does it come for you where does it come from Michelle Keener where's your inspiration oh that's a tough one I'm not sure really I'm I believe truthfully and, and here we're gonna kind of delve into the faith side of things I really do believe um that there's an ability to sort of partner with the creativity of heaven. I mean, if you look at the greatest creator and the greatest storyteller, that's God. I mean, who else would come up with a platypus? You know, who can come up with an elephant, like literally out of nowhere? I have a hard time trying to describe, um, you know, the, the people that I meet uh, down the street. What color is his hat? What does he look like? The Lord's like, you know what? I'm going to have this big old animal. I'm going to give him a six foot nose and he's going to drink through it. You know, like who would, who would come up with that? So I think there is just this incredible well of inspiration and creativity and stories that are just waiting to be told. Um, and that's all available to us as artists to say, you know what, Lord, if you're willing to pour out into me, let's, let's do this together. And, and so I, um, I just think there's a partnership that goes on between talent, hard work, and inspiration that you put them all together. And, and that's where the good stories, that's where the movies and the books and the songs and the paintings all come from. And is it, you, you say movies and paintings, are you an artist who like, can you be a writer and an artist? Can you be a book author and you maybe want to look at screenplays? Are you one of those creative persons that, that wants to do everything? Wants to do everything? Yes, I would love to do everything. <laughs> right? Can I? No, yeah. definitely not. I have this very secret. Well, I'm going to tell you, so it's not going to be secret anymore. <laughs> I always wanted to be a painter. Like, yeah. I love art. I absolutely love museums. Um, we took a vacation um, a little while ago and we stopped at different museums and my son was ready to cry. He was so bored and I didn't get it. I'm like, are you not looking? Do you not see this amazing piece of artwork? And you know, he, he didn't get it. He wanted to play Fortnite. I get that. Um, but I have no artistic talent in that area at all. Like stick figures. I can't even do. I, I mean, they look like squiggles. It's really, it, it's, it's very sad when I try to paint. I took a painting class with my daughter and she was like, can I tell them I don't know you? It was that bad. <laughs> That's so awesome. would I like to do that? Yes, I would love to. Um, I've been fortunate to sing in our church's worship team, which is fabulous. I love that. Um, I went to college to study theater, so I've been on stage and mm-hmm. I love that. So I do enjoy sort of the creative outlet that comes in, in all different ways. But I'm also logical enough to look at things and be like, that is not me. I'm going to let somebody else do that. <laughs> and I'll just appreciate their efforts. There you go. And, and do you think that every, so I've often said, for better or for worse, whether I'm right or wrong, we all have a creative 
uh, spirit about us in some way, right? Everybody can be a storyteller or a something creative, but then my, my wife is very analytical and she's a, a numbers person, financial person. She's like, yeah, I'm not creative. <laughs> Do you think though? I mean, not that I want you to tell her that she's wrong. I'll, I'll clarify that right now if she's listening. <laughs> But I mean, do you see that creative connection to heaven as something that we all can tap into or are we just built differently? Are we all different body parts of, of the world? I'm just I, curious. <laughs> I am not going to tell your wife she's wrong. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I will tell you that I agree with you maybe a little bit more. <laughs> um, I think there is definitely a creative spark that's built into humanity. I think it manifests in different ways. Um, and a lot of times world culture, governments, whatever sort of outside source you want to label it wants to define, okay, writing is an art accounting isn't that there's sort of this, this very strict line of what counts as creativity and what doesn't. Uh, and, and I don't think that's true. I don't think that line exists. Uh, I think your wife is probably incredibly creative and artistic when it comes to numbers. Uh, there are people who can look at an equation and see artwork. Um, and I'm not saying creative accounting like, you know, she's working for the mob or anything. Like that. <laughs> good clarification. Saying, That's good. Yeah, <laughs> clarify. So, you know, CIA, keep moving. Um, but that she could look at a spreadsheet and actually see something beautiful there. And even better, she could take a mess of numbers, put them into a spreadsheet and then make something beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I think that creative spark is definitely inherent in who we are as humans. That's why we had cave paintings. That's why we have um, classic art, modern art, Art Nouveau, take your pick. It manifests differently, but I do believe that it's there. That's a, that's a really cool perspective. I, I like how that came out of that discussion. That was good. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get a little bit tactical then. Um, okay. You just had recently a, uh, a book release uh, live on Facebook. You've been um, on Twitter and, and talking about your book release and stuff. How are storytellers today supposed to get our stories out there? Is social media the best channel? What have you found? What, what advice would you give to a storyteller on getting their, their, their word out there? Oh my goodness. You know, if, if I had the answer to that one, a hundred percent, it would have been a bestseller yesterday. Right. That's I'm still learning, honestly. Um, so I am active on Twitter. I love Twitter. It just works the way my brain works. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the way this all came about two, three ish years ago, I had a Christian nonfiction book that I had sent to a couple of agents and uh, was looking for representation. Never had an agent before, figured maybe I need to go this way. I still don't have an agent, not looking for one. And the response that I got back was, hey, great writing, uh, great concept, I like it, but you have no platform, come back to me when you have 10,000 followers. I, I was so blown away and I was so unprepared for that that I went on Twitter out of spite and was like, you know what? You only have 10,000 followers. Fine. I'll, I'll get them. And then I'll show you. And in the process, I kind of forgot that I was spite tweeting and I ended up just sort of building community, which has been a huge blessing. And I love, I love the communities that I have found on social media. Does that work for marketing? You know, I'm going to have to get back to you in six months when I get my first royalty statement. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it's the marketplace from my perspective seems to be getting so 
crowded right now, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we will never run out of books to read. There, there are so many stories, um, and, and not even in just in terms of literature, in terms of music and movies, there are so many indie authors um, and indie artists that are now um, able to give a voice to what they want to share, and that's fabulous, and it's wonderful. The problem is when you are one of those voices and just one voice, it, it's hard to break in and make your mark. Um, I am a fan of social media, not necessarily for the marketing aspect of it, but for the community aspect of it. Mm. Um, as we build community, I'm choosing to believe and hoping that the sales will come from that. But in this day and age where you can have an, an instant relationship with your favorite artist, um, with your favorite author, celebrity, musician, it's given people sort of unprecedented access, which is great. And, and I think for artists, if we can, um, how do, what's the right word? I don't want to say capitalize because that sounds yucky. But if we can build on those relationships, I think that will be the bridge to marketing. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yes, well, but I think well, you know, what I hear you say too is that, that people do business and we're okay doing business with other people. That's what we do. We don't, well, that's not a terrible thing, but we do business with those that we get to know, like, and trust. So if you're building that community, mm -hmm. it should come along. So it sounds like what you've done, Michelle, is build that community through Twitter um, and through a little other social media. Um, and then, and then we'll see what happens, but that's a good place to start at least. Yeah. So I like that. So you, you talked about community, uh, Michelle, and, and we'll see if the community does come through. Cause it sounds like you're, you're building that, that base, like we do in business of people do business with those that we get to know, like, and trust. And, and, and we're okay with that. Like I will give money for a book because I want to be entertained. So I'm good with that. So that makes sense. But when we talk about community, um, one of the communities you find on Twitter is the NaNoWriMo. Is that right? The, the November, <laughs> National November Writing Month, right? National Novel Writing Month in novel. November. Novel, that's right. Okay. Uh, NaNoWriMo. We'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, but how, like, how did you find that community and what did that mean to you? I want to hear a little bit of the backstory of that. So NaNoWriMo, uh, back in 2016, a friend of mine from college, who was also a writer, had shared on I want to say Facebook that, Hey, I'm going to do NaNoWriMo and I'm super excited. And I, I don't know what that means. Are we talking, we're going to the zoo. We're going to go look at rhinos. What are we doing here? <laughs> and so I clicked on her, the stuff she was sharing about it. I was like, wait, we're writing a book in a month. Oh no, this is something I can get on board with. And it happened to be, it was October 31st uh, when I saw this. It's like, Oh, so it starts tomorrow. And you got the, the challenge is to write 50,000 words of a brand new novel in a month, in the month of November. So you got 30 days, 30 days in November to write 50,000 words. So it works out, I don't know, it's something like 1,700-ish words a day. Like, okay, why not? So the day before I'm signing up and I was like, I don't know, let's see what happens. Cause I had, uh, this is the book that's coming out in December, Light on Glass. And I'd had this idea kind of kicking around in my head for a while but we had just moved from Virginia to California. Um, we were homeschooling, we still are, um, two kids. So time was at a premium and I hadn't really, I just stopped doing most of my freelance writing gigs and I wasn't really making time to write. And, and I, I was sad about it, but I didn't really know how to fix it. 
So this was kind of that um, kick in the pants. Mm -hmm. Like it's 30 days, 30 days out of your life to do something you already know you love. All right, sure. So I signed up the day before <laughs> and it started the very next day, November 1st. I'm click, 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 tapping away. I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. By November 5th, it's like, what have I done? This is impossible. This is never going to happen. Um, but I kind of pushed through and there is, there's this whole kind of subculture community around NaNoWriMo and you can find a hashtag, you can find groups and people are cheering each other on. And it's such a great feeling of encouragement and being surrounded by your fellow writers. And you can go up there and you can post like, I typed one word today and then I deleted it. And people are like, that's cool, dude. Don't even worry about it. You know, I typed 10 yesterday and deleted 20. You're fine. And um, so that's how Light on Glass got written. I, I hammered out that first draft in one month. And uh, it was just a great feeling of accomplishment that, yes, it was stressful. Yes, there was a lot of caffeine involved. But at the end of it, I had a first draft. Like, yeah. You know, for the past year, I hadn't written anything. And now I actually had a book. Um, and, and so it was great. And it was kind of a little bit addicting. And so I have done it every year since then. So 16, 17, 18, three years. All three of those books are now under contract. I've got a plan to do it again this year. And um, it's really, it's in terms of community for writers, that's a lot of fun. Although I will say if you're not great with deadlines and if that kind of pressure stresses you out, maybe not. <laughs> uh, but for me, it happened to work for me in the way that my brain works. Yeah. And how, like, it sounds to me like the, the community of that was critical to you. Did we, because I also feel like writing can be very solitary. Mm -hmm. How critical is that community? And where was that before social media? Is this something kind of new? Is this a new phenomenon that people are that supportive of each other when they're writers? Oh, that's, that's interesting. That would, that would be a fun thing to, to look into, right? Yeah. Um, for me, I uh, tend towards the introvert side of the scale. So solitary is generally good for me. <laughs> Problem with solitary is that it's hard to get um, an honest perspective on your work, on what you're doing. When you're the only person that's looking at it, the perspective gets a little skewed. Um, and not just the work itself, but the process. And, and so for me, having a community that says, you know, it's okay that you're having a rough day. Um, it's okay that the words aren't coming today because tomorrow's going to be different. And that sort of support system has been, it's for me personally, has been a huge help. And I've seen it be a help for other people um, that have reached out for, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can someone point me in the right direction? And I have been really blessed when people reach out to me and say, hey, you've done this. How did you do X, Y, or Z? You know, how did you um, start the querying process? How did you um, format your, your submission? Even just very practical questions like, what did you write to your first publisher? Being able to support other artists is, is it's wonderful. And it's a great blessing. Did that come along just with social media? I think we see it more with social media and it's become a lot more accessible. But I think if we look back throughout sort of the history of literature and writing, there have always been 
support groups, writer groups that get together. Um, I mean, the Bronte sisters had each other. You know, C.S. Lewis um, had his, his group. Um, uh, Hemingway and his, well, his, his whiskey bottle, but also his, <laughs> you know, his fellow Fair. writers. And if we look at sort of the expat salons that were going on in Paris, um, again, I think it's probably part of human nature to draw together with like-minded individuals, uh, which can be good or bad. I mean, take your historical uh, point in, in context, but that there is a need for community to support each other, to encourage each other, to maybe critique, maybe, hey, you know, Hemingway, I don't know about that one thing. Maybe we should change this up a little bit. Right. And um, the ease that we can do it nowadays is, is really wonderful and, and it's really great. And, but at the same time, it also does require some wisdom because not everybody on social media is who they say they are. So, you know, I'm going to say all of those good things and then I'll add a little bit of a warning. Make sure you do your research before sending your work off to somebody you've never met. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you get a lot of that on social? Are people trying to take works and do whatever with them and not being legit? It's never happened to me. Um, I've seen some kind of sketchy looking uh, quote unquote agents and publishers. I've seen them pop up. Um, I've heard stories, and again, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I've heard stories of people, oh, I sent my work off, and, and you know, then they published it under their name. Mm. So it, it's like any aspect of business, and that's something we as writers need to remember is this is a business. It's an art, but it's also a business, mm. and that you need to use wisdom. You need to use discernment and do your research before entering into any kind of business agreement with someone, especially someone that you've never met face-to-face. Yeah, amen to that. Um, so it sounds like social media has been a, a pretty good thing, I think, in general for storytelling, but it, but it's also probably not perfect. Where, where have you seen social media kind of fail storytelling in, in, and affect it in a negative way? Oh, um, I've, I've seen some pretty negative comments go down. Uh, uh, especially mostly because I say Twitter, but that's because I spend most of my social media time on Twitter. Yeah. And um, I've seen really negative comments that come out and that can be so discouraging and truly just cruel at times. If you've got someone who's willing to share, Hey, this is my story or here's my opening line or what would you think about this plot? And you've got someone who piles on and be like, hey, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, you should just stop. And, and no, like, why? Like, why? Why would you do that? Right. Why? And, and it kind of devolves into this cyberbullying mentality where that anonymity of social media can give someone um, this, this sense of entitlement to say whatever they want to whomever they want. And that's just not cool. Um, so I... I for all the encouragement it can provide, there's always a possibility that you're going to find the one person who's just, what's the right word? Just a big meanie, a big meanie face. That's right. And you want to stay away from those people. But part of that's also going to come with curating, um, curating your tribe, choosing who you want to associate with. And it's not going to be perfect. I mean, people are going to slip by your radar. Um, but... If you know who you are 
and you know what you want, you can use that as a defense against the big meanie faces when they want to come. <laughs> is it a matter of kind of developing a thick skin too? Like, is that, is knowing who you are, knowing what you want, does that lead to developing that thick skin or is it still just kind of hurt and just kind of sucks? I think it's definitely still going to hurt and it's definitely going to suck. I mean, you can have the thickest skin in the world. And if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, Ugh, I don't like your nose. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's probably going to suck. And, and Fair. nobody wants to hear that. Uh, but how much power do you want to give those people? You know, how much, how much weight do you want to give their words? If someone's got an avatar of, uh, you know, a book and they want to come after you and be like, your writing's awful. Okay. Don't buy my book. Let's move on. There you go. And, and I say that kind of flippantly, but I'm acknowledging that it's still, uh, it, it's a bummer. And when you bump into people that are just, you know, not the ones you want to invite to your house for Thanksgiving, not counting family, you're stuck with them, but you know, just people that you don't want to hang out with. Yeah. It stinks, but it's, it's also still your social media. It's your timeline. It's your Facebook feed. Um, you don't have to, Oh, here's what my husband would say. And this is great wisdom from him. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. So like someone start picking on you, you can walk away. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. That's good. Yeah, that is good, right? Not mine. That's Paul's, but yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but that's, it's so hard though. Sometimes, I mean, when social media becomes this place for trolls and it's so easy to get sucked in, mm -hmm. um, being conscious of that, especially as a creator, uh, has to be huge. So that's good advice. Um, have you had so far, so, uh, so I think, you know, you've talked about having these books that you've had to publishers, you have a couple under contract. It seems like you're kind of at this point where you're, 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 you're a writer who's made it in a sense. You're not, you know, you're, you're not a Hemingway yet. You're not, you know, Jody Picoult, you're not somebody modern maybe, but like, but you're, you're a paid writer with books under contract. That has to feel really good. Have there been milestones so far that you've looked at and you're like, okay, I'm on my way. This is feeling good. Um, definitely. I mean, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and it's funny. You're a writer who's made it. I'm like, really? Wait, who, who's, who are you talking to? <laughs> um, and, and yeah, there are, I mean, getting, uh, like my first advance check for shared courage. I was kind of staring at it and I was afraid to deposit it. I was like, what if they change their mind? What if they finally read it and they're like, uh, no, we, you know, our, the, the editor was having a bad day and we're going to want that money back. And I sat on it for, I don't even know, like two months before putting it in the bank. And, and, um, so, and then getting a, another contract for which one came first, Mission Hollywood came first and getting the contract for that book and staring at it like, wow, yeah. this is cool. Right. And, and then yesterday, uh, you know, launching the book. That was a big deal, being able to see people holding up pictures of me and hey, look what I bought today. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, are you serious? Did you mean to do that? Did you hit one <laughs> click by mistake? Like, do we need to talk about this? Uh, that's all, that's really cool. That's big deal stuff for me. And, and I'm learning to kind of enjoy that. Um, sort of in terms of human nature, I tend to be a little bit more of an Eeyore, not so much a Winnie the Pooh. I'm kind of an Eeyore, like, well, you know, sure, I got a contract, but, and I'm trying not to be, like, I'm trying to find my inner Winnie the Pooh, and, yeah. and I'm still struggling on that, 
but honestly, I would say one of my favorite things that's happened is when I've had a couple of writers uh, reach out to me and say, hey, I really love the way you write. Would you look at my manuscript? Really? Me? Seriously? That is the best feeling in the world. Because one, they said they like the way I write. And two, they're saying they value my opinion. Yeah. So I'm like, that, that's awesome. So yeah, those milestones, those are fun. I'm learning to celebrate them <laughs> and, and, uh, and kind of chase the little rain cloud away, but that's still a work in progress. We all are, aren't we? Well, <laughs> and it's funny because in, in business, it's often called the imposter syndrome. Mm. So if you're an, an executive or you're a, a speaker or you're a something, it's like, well, just wait until they find out how good I'm not. Uh, so, uh, and, and I feel that as a creative and as a business person, like I feel that on both sides. So it's nice to know that I'm not the only one. No, definitely not the only one I'm with. Yeah. I, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what's next then you've got your book coming out, uh, this fall or this winter, when's it come winter, out? December. Mm -hmm. December. Um, are you, I assume that you're still working on other books then too. Is it, I mean, is this like, you're going to get paid to do this. You got to keep doing it. Right. Is there pressure for that? Um, a little bit. I, I was laughing. My time frame was a little bit off this time. So I just had a book launch and I have the final round of edits for the book coming out in December are actually due in 10 days. <laughs> and, and I kind of, when I looked at the dates originally, I was like, sure, easy, no problem. How much time could a book launch take? It takes a lot of time actually. And now I'm sort of staring at this looming deadline. Like, Ooh, <laughs> I may not have thought this through because in the process of all that, I'm supposed to be finishing up book three in the Mission Hollywood series. So it is, it's a lot all at once, but at the same time, it, this isn't a hobby, it's a career. Like if this is, if this is your job, then you got to actually do the work. And I'm lucky that it's fun work and I get to enjoy it, but you know, you got to treat it like a business too. Um, and, and sort of protect your reputation and build a good reputation, not just with readers, but with the professionals in the industry as well, good point. Um, in order to kind of <laughs> keep your career. Right. That's a good point. So Michelle, this has been absolutely incredible. I really have enjoyed this and you've brought so much insight. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to answer my, my final question in a moment. Uh, so hopefully I, I have a little fun with that with you. But before we do, I want to make sure that you have the opportunity. Where can people connect with the storyteller Michelle Keener? So um, as I've said, I'm all over Twitter. I spend way too much time there, but you can find me on your favorite social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. My handle is the same everywhere, at mkeenerwrites, uh, writes with a W, not just that I am right, although I remind my husband of that fact often. And then my website is michellekeener.com. Cool. And I'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you. So you have this career now, this is what you do, but if someone were to say to you, were to say to you tomorrow, you can no longer be a storyteller. What would your last story be that you'd want to go out with? My last story. I think the one that I would want to go out with, honestly, is the book that's coming out in December. Um, Light on Glasses, it's an incredibly personal story. Um, even, I think, more personal than a memoir that I wrote. It was a, that was about me, literally about my life. But this book, even though it's fiction, it's, it's got so much of me in it that if that was the last book I ever wrote, I think I'd be okay with that. Hmm. Light on glass. All right. I want to check that out. 
Awesome. Thank you. It's, it's interesting that you can write a fiction book, but you you can write a fictional story, but it's so much of your truth. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I, and I hear that from other storytellers. I I interviewed um, Sarah Ray Werner, who is a creator of a podcast called girl in space. And she talked about that. She's like, girl in space is my autobiography. I was never in space, but it's all about me. I'm like, that's so interesting that that can be your truth. So uh, I'm interested to, to, to see how that works out for light on glass. Michelle, it's been so much fun. Thank you for taking time to tell your story. Dan, thank you very much for having me. This was awesome. Oh, that was fun. Once again, thank you so much, Michelle Keener, for joining me. You can connect with her at the links in the show notes. You can also connect with me at thestorytellersnetwork.com. Contact me and tell me what you love about the show, what's going on with your life, and if you want to tell me your story. And if you really enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it on social media. Help spread the word about the Storytellers Network. And also, leave a rating and review, right? Over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate you. Send me an email and tell me what's going on in your life. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers.